welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How are you? Uh, I'm outraged. Oh my gosh. I'm up in arms about <laughs> the uh, latest clash of enormous corporate entertainment yeah. behemoths. You can say titans. It's fine. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess they are titans. But uh yeah, I, I don't know if you've heard or, or if you're ready to talk about it just yet. Right. But uh, apparently Spider-Man will no longer be in Marvel movies because Disney asked for a huge, a huge uh, cut, I guess. Yeah. They were like the drug dealer. They were like, uh, no, those are just. Uh, yeah. Uh, or they're uh, Al, Al, Al Swearingen. Those were get those were getting acquainted prices. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, and, and and now they they want to i don't know something they want a lot of spider-man money i guess and sony said no no thank you yeah they said no dice yeah uh, yeah um yeah people are really angry about it and uh don't get me wrong i spider-man the way he was conceived was a very nice addition to the mcu i think they did really good work with him but they still like sony can still make spider-man movies with tom holland yes they just can't incorporate and, and they can have Anne may and they can have his uh his, his rogues gallery yeah. and his buddy uh they and that and that's the thing is especially with the most recent um the most recent spider-man i think they did a really good job as they do with all of the MCU stuff of just making it, making it clear that these characters all live in context, you know, within context of each other. Uh, and so the, the loss of Iron Man is a huge part of the most recent Spider-Man. Um, and so, but what I will say is that I think that they have, this most recent Spider-Man does a good enough job of sort of a passing of the torch and the idea that Spider-Man does not need to, he doesn't need to rely on the Avengers. He doesn't need to rely on Iron Man anymore. He can do his own thing. So I think they could do it. Um, but as far as, you know, which the thing that bums me out is that Sony has shown that it can't really be trusted with, uh, the Spider-Man franchise. Um, you know, I, I liked the Sam Raimi, the first two Sam Raimi movies, the third one was a mess as good as I thought uh, Andrew Garfield was and Emma stone. Um, those movies themselves were a mess. So I just, and frankly, I just don't trust Sony with much. Like they, they botched that, the 2016 ghostbusters, like Sony just tries stuff and then, but doesn't seem to know how to pull it off. And so, I could see this, I could see them just completely losing their way. Um, so I'm bummed about it from the standpoint of like, they've got, they've done such a good job, uh, you know, them and Marvel, they, they've done such a good job of setting up this new Spider-Man and his support and, you know, his support system and, and the, the way he's dealt with villains. They've done such a good job of that, that I'm bummed that it might all fall apart. But at the same time, you know, he was in Civil War. He was in both. He had two of his own movies. He was in Infinity War and Endgame. This Spider-Man has has had a good run, and he could continue having a good run. Mm-hmm. But if it doesn't happen, that'll be a bummer. But at the same time, uh, I stopped caring much about the MCU after Endgame, and I feel like I'm perfectly justified in not. I'm interested in individual movies. I'm interested. There's a What If movie, and I'm fascinated to know what that's going to be. Wait, I thought What If was going to be a Disney Plus TV series. 
Oh, sorry. Well, it's maybe that maybe it will be. So I just I only saw the announcement and they just yeah. Half of those are TV. Half shows. of those are TV. Shows. I okay. think What If is actually animated. Oh, that bums me out. I mean, it'll still that could still be interesting in the same way that like Into the Spider Verse was interesting. Yeah. But I I like the it's, I, it's animated, uh, but the voice cast is the same as the live action cast. That's odd. So I think I think that's what it was. That feels like they're. Well, I mean, I guess if it's a TV show, they're not going to have all the same. They can't have people that are that big for a mere television show. But I like the idea of a what if movie, uh, just like the watcher showing up and just uh, throwing things into yeah. uh, chaos. Um, I'm interested in the in the uh, the new Doctor Strange. Uh, what they've said is that it's going to be like more of a straight horror movie, which like, well, it's only going to be so horrific, but I'm still well, so interested. They, uh, that's the thing about the MCU. They always said this is this movie is really more, but they all are kind of the same. Yeah, there's but, yeah, there's none. There's none that are drastically yeah different but like yeah i do like the first doctor strange movie so uh i guess i'm interested in that captain america the 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 winter soldier they said like oh there's like a 70s espionage movie it's like well no it has a bit of of that seasoning on it but it's redford in it it's got robert redford in it. it's got some interesting old time uh tech which is fun but no, it's still absolutely what it is. Yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I didn't see that. Just like Ant Man, they say like, "Oh, it's like a heist." And it's like well, uh, a little, it, very little. Of yeah. The, but I like the Ant Man movies. Uh, I was disappointed that those announcements did not include an Ant Man three. Why not yeah. keep making Ant Man movies? They're fun. They're funny. Anyway. Just make a just just give Michael Pena his own movie. There you go. Yeah, he is definitely the best part. Yeah. The, that thing in the first movie, it's so it's a such a tiny moment mm-hmm. when he's during the heist when he's he's got the security guard out yeah. on and he sees the other security guard and he make he like sort of ostentatiously like shows him his badge. <laughs> 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 and I am I am a sucker for when he just like goes flying off and just tells like a whole story oh, yeah, super sure. fast. Like I know that that's what everyone remembers about the character, but rightfully so. It is. Yeah, and those are it's it's very fun funny. See. Yeah, it's fun to see like Evangeline Lilly doing like saying smell you later. You know that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I like those. All right. Um, I'm looking forward to speaking of uh, big uh, blockbuster movie news. The Matrix Four is happening. I'm looking forward uh, to that. Keanu and uh, Carrie Ann are back. I had this conversation with my wife last night about whether or not it's okay to like. Is Carrie Ann Moss? She's not. Maybe not. Wouldn't be famous enough to be a first name only. Sure. But there's also not any other famous Carrie Anns. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. So I could I, I could just say Carrie Ann. You're gonna know who I'm talking about, especially when yeah. I'm talking about the Matrix. Yes, uh, the, I can't think of any other. Yeah, so I'm okay uh, to say Keanu and Carrie Ann. Yes. Uh, what, are you, what are you thinking? I'm thinking I didn't like the second or the third one. You don't like the second one? It has its moments, but I think I think it's, it has one of those moments, and I feel like that I'm finally being... I would think I was on the right side of history, because I think the reappraisal of Matrix Reloaded has been building. A, a lot of people... Uh, uh, are on my side that it's really good. Um, Although yeah, no, admit, one, no one likes revolutions. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. The second one, I mean, people do remember like some of those action sequences, certainly. Um, I will say though, that uh, aside from, I, I've been mentioning him a lot uh, this week, certainly in the movie journal, but uh, Jason is such a matrix fan in general that he, he loves oh, Jason friend. Eakin friend of the show, Jason Eakin. Um, it, yeah. Friend of the show and inexplicable fan, fan favorite. favorite. Yeah. Jason Eakin. Yeah. Um, 
so he loves like all things matrix. And so like, he's been, he's been on the bandwagon for the second one for a long time. But when I hear other people talk about it, they talk about it in a way that I'm like, mm, I don't think you would agree with them. They seem to be talking about it almost from a place of nostalgia, not really digging into why the movie could be good. More just like, oh man, do you re- like do you remember like those like the albino twins? Oh man, those were they were great. But and that's it's like, and, then, and that's uh, part of it, I that's, guess. But that's not a very like they're not being very analytical there. But it but, is part of what makes the Matrix Reloaded so cool is that it just doesn't it, feel like a reappraisal to me. Okay, but what I'm saying is that like what makes the Matrix Reloaded reloaded so cool is that every scene there's some new cool thing happening like it's, it's yeah. a movie that's full of the the wachowskis like doing whatever they wanted with all the money they were given and they wanted to do some cool stuff like yeah. build a freeway or yeah uh the whole uh remember the merovingian what a cool character it's a cool character. The and ghosts this, are cool. The ghost twins are, yeah. are cool. The uh, the key guy is cool. Yeah. Um, uh, the uh, I do find the architect oddly uh, hypnotic. I love the architect. Um, um, I love when uh, maybe my favorite scene in the movie is when Neo goes to see the Oracle and she has like a new because she looks looks different. Yeah. And she has a new like assistant Mm -hmm. and neo has to fight him for no reason (laughs) there's no explanation exactly Uh, but i see i like that stuff i it It seemed it seemed the first one the cool seemed a bit more organic and then it became almost self-consciously cool in the second one i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing i think what's worse is the third one which is self-consciously like important and emotional yes that's you know, for sure that that's the stuff that i roll my eyes at it's too self-serious i don't mind self-consciousness maybe when it's in service of something yeah that's just like let's spend two and a half hours having fun and that's what the that's what reloaded largely is i guess so i, I when i think of the part of the film that i like i do think of Mate, uh, I almost called him Matrix. Oh man, <laughs> uh, I'm thinking of the character from Commando, obviously. Um, but uh, no, when Neo is like fighting all of those uh, warriors or whatever, like on the staircase, and then the Ghost Twins come along, oh, yeah. and then there's the freeway fight, uh, and it's like it's just it just builds and builds, and yeah. it's this huge sequence. That is what I remember, and I remember that being pretty fun, and it probably takes up a fair amount of screen time like yeah. it's probably a significant percentage of the film uh but yeah, like, you don't build a freeway in yeah <laughs> and not give it its uh star turn but it's but yeah i i the merovingian did not really appeal to me the key guy as you call him doesn't really mean much to me uh i liked what they did with the oracle i thought that was pretty good uh but yeah for the most part i just uh, maybe i should i should probably rewatch it but i did see it twice in the theater and then once more afterwards but Wait, the I'm, second I, time was with me right yes the first Wait, time because was... columbia had a uh columbia had a like a special screening somehow, uh, oh, like okay. three days before the movie came out. So I went and saw it with Jen. Um, and then the second time was you, me and Mark, Mark Kelly. And I can't remember what was the movie that you wanted to see. Can you, do you remember? It was either cause it was 2003. So it was either finding Nemo or X two. Huh? Okay. I don't remember, but I had already seen reloaded and so had you. Yeah. But Mark hadn't. Yeah. I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I see where this is going. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, 
got that on my mind. Also thinking a lot about my tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Today, listening to Monolord. I, I've talked about them uh, recently. Um, they're uh, one of my favorite bands going. There's some uh, super heavy. Super, I, I, feel, I still feel like... I could get you into metal. I feel like I could uh, with certain types, and I feel with like certain Mono, types. I'm like sure. Monolord is yeah. uh, what you would call doom or stoner metal. It's very bluesy, very slow, okay, very heavy. I can um, I can live with that. It's yeah. it really just has to be kind of melodic to me, okay. like the super fast like death metal. But that's melodic too. It's just sped up, right? It's sped up so much that I'm like, I this is you're leaving me behind. Uh, I don't know. There was a thing like. I read an interview, this is maybe 10, close to 10 years ago, an interview with uh, the great Reggie Watts, you know, oh, yeah. um, who is a very musical person mm-hmm. and is a death metal fan among all the, he's, a, he's one of those guys who's just into everything. Yeah. And he's a death metal fan and he was talking about how death metal is just as much about a groove as R&B or soul. Sure. It's just, it's very abrasive and it's very fast, but it's still about, he basically he was saying, head banging and nodding your head are just they're on the same spectrum of, right like how, yeah. how you're enjoying one, one hurts my neck <laughs> and the other doesn't um anyway so basically my advice to everyone all the time watch movies and listen to metal and you can listen and maybe to you could try like a like a dark side of the moon wizard of oz thing just listen to death metal while you watch all movies and maybe it'll sync up somehow um, yeah, there you go. Um, and I would say listen to metal on tweakedaudio.com earbuds. They're available at a low, low price at tweakedaudio.com. But if you use the offer code pretension at checkout, you get one third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with bite clear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Um, have I ever told you about in the, and you might actually know about them. There's a band called mortification. I don't know if I do know. All right. They're a Christian like death metal, death metal band that came about in the nineties. And I was at the time. And now I was not a fan of most Christian pop music. Um, and then mortification comes along and I was like, and I didn't really like death metal at the time. And I was like, wow, this is just a, horrible combination for me but some people were super into it because again it was as tended to happen there was an attitude of like like oh my gosh this is like the christian version of this really like this you know foreboding uh yeah. thing and uh and to me i was like ah, I, I don't like either one so <laughs> i'm just fine to to check out on this one all right um i'm going to the toronto international film festival congratulations <laughs> Um, it's my second time they decided to let me back mm-hmm. uh, into the country of Canada um, and so what we're going to do is what the thing that Tyler uh, invented which yes yes I invented um, 
very specific reference. I don't remember what it is. <laughs> yeah, I would love to know if any of the listeners know what I'm talking to. Which, yes, yes, I invented. Is that uh, from Brain Candy? It's Kids in the Hall. It's not Kids Brain Candy. Okay, it's from right. Kids in the Hall sketch. Okay. Where the, is it Bruce uh, McCullough? Well, it's the... Uh, so Mark McKinney is the I'm crushing your head guy. Yes. And then he meets his rival, who I think is <laughs> right. Kevin McDonald. Okay. Who is okay. the I'm squishing your face guy, I think is what he is. Uh, yes, I'm He's squishing like, your face. what are you face. doing? I'm squishing your face. It's a, it's a fun thing, which, yes, yes... I invented. <laughs> it's 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 isn't it fascinating that because I didn't remember that that was from that I I remember that rivalry sketch yeah. between the two but I didn't associate I associated it with a different kids in the hall thing because it seemed like the guy the the cadence was very much like this is a drug that gives worms to ex girlfriends you, don't get, you just don't get it here. <laughs> <laughs> what a great movie. I gotta watch that again. Um, we're we gonna get the movie, big table in here. We, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to go down and go out and cut down that fucking tree myself. Um, uh, my empire is crumbling. <laughs> um, no, where, where are we? On, where are we, are we on that, Marf? You mean that thing you just told me about just now? Yes. Oh, we're on top of that, Don. <laughs> uh, yeah, what a great movie. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're way off track. But yeah, speaking of Canadians, I'll be in Toronto. So we're going to do the thing that you invented um, in which I give you two movies. You tell me which one I should go see. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, full peek behind the curtain. Most of the times we do this, especially with Sundance. Mm-hmm. I kind of already have my schedule of set by that point. Yeah. But A, we're doing this early. And B, TIFF doesn't let me reserve tickets till wow. only a couple days before. So you actually... And what I did is while making my preliminary... Um, schedule. Yeah. I also made a list of movies that are actually playing opposite one another. So this time it's this time it's for real. You okay. actually could be helping me make decisions on what movies to see. Okay, I'm only going to be about uh, like 50% present because now I'm only thinking about Kids in the Hall brain okay. candy. Uh, and I was just laughing because uh, we were talking about uh, The Hangover in the um, movie journal. Yeah. And we were talking about how like there are certain aspects of that that wouldn't be made now. Yeah. And I mean, Cancer Boy <laughs> would not exist in a movie now. Uh, and so I was laughing just now. It's just, did you see? Did you see? Doctor and me, did you see? Um, (laughs) such as, and then he becomes like a big star with a song called like whistle when you're blue or something like that. And he Uh, wins an award. Oh yeah. And there's a, there's a whole joke (laughs) that it's like the Grammys, but it's not the Grammys. Yeah. But there's a, model who has an accent who's introducing the fuck category folk, yeah which the f- saying, fuck, fuck act <laughs> yeah and then <laughs> uh, uh, okay. okay we can't turn yeah. it into that sorry go watch um, brain candy everybody yeah uh it is warm in here um, yeah it's uh i was just looking at the okay at the temperature. so we're gonna start with two movies in some cases because these are actually things playing after uh, you know next to one another, I actually did pick three movies. We have a battle royale, uh, but let's start with Rocks. British director Sarah Gavron, uh, who made Suffragette, returns with this intimate, honest portrait of a teenage girl who suddenly finds herself struggling to take care of herself and her younger brother. Okay. Or the Whistlers in this neo-noir tale from Ramonian auteur Cornelia Porumboyu. 1280 Bucharest, a corrupt cop under surveillance while participating in a mob plot in the Canary Islands must communicate with his accomplices in an indigenous language based on whistling. 
Well, it's that one, obviously. Okay. All right. Um, the other one sounds perfectly fine. Um, but uh, no, that one just sounds delightful and eclectic enough. Yeah. Um, okay. So. And that one was called, what was it? The Whistlers. The Whistlers. Okay. Um, okay. See, I thought there'd be more talk, so I'd have time to. Oh, uh, sorry about that. Because uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to find the descriptions. There are, I don't know if you know this, a lot of movies play uh, yeah. at, at, at TIFF. Um, okay. What do you got for me? Next up, Our Lady of the Nile. Okay. This bewitching yet unassuming adaptation of Scholastique Mukasonga's award-winning novel recounts the coming of age of a group of Rwandan schoolgirls at a Belgian-run Catholic boarding school. Okay. So that's a uh, Rwandan coming-of-age story. Are there any... Yes. I'm reluctant to ask questions as we go, but I also you know have that to because that, I have yeah. to have time to find the next description. Are there so once again during the movie journal, like the idea of the bi- the biographical documentary is something that you instinctively are just like, ugh. And yeah. they can be good, Absolutely. but they yes. you but they often are not. Yeah. Um. So I'm thinking of like certain. Uh, certain turns of phrase uh when used to describe a, a movie uh, if not a, a straight up genre or something like that uh that immediately turns me off uh okay. and one of them is coming of age um really? at this point a- but here's the deal eighth grade is a coming of age film yeah. and i love it yeah i love it so it can be good but I, I usually like at this point i've seen so many whether it be a drama or a comedy and just like and I, I do understand that that's an important part of somebody's life and everybody's a little bit different, but at the same time, uh, and so I'm, I'm always willing to, to be open to, to what it might be. But when I hear it's coming of age, I feel like, all right, I immediately know what tone it's going to strike. I have an idea of what kind of scenes they're going to be in there. Think about it like this. Cause I think, uh, I think this is how I think about coming of age. I've never really interrogated okay. myself better before, but I think that I think of it as a neutral sort of term that just describes the genre. Like this is a horror movie. This is a coming of age movie. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's, uh, I, I've, I've never been able to write off an entire genre of movies before. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that I, that I write it off. It's more just like my shoulders slump a little bit and I'm just like, okay, okay. it's I, in the same way that if somebody said a slasher movie, um, I'll probably, you know, although in that one I tend to be, because of its very nature, I tend to be more instinctively interested. Yeah. Um, but coming of age, I think because the the genre itself can be quite limiting if somebody lets it be. Uh, again, a certain type of melancholy tone, usually with a fair amount of quirk in it. Uh, there's going to be some level of sexual awakening that will lead to a certain degree of embarrassment. Like it's again, there's this is the the basic plot of it, but there's a way to do it yeah. well, as I think Bo Burnham did with Eighth Grade. But I think a lot of directors choose to just like with a with a biographical uh, documentary, mm-hmm. it's easy to phone it in, and I think a lot of them do. Okay. All right, well, uh, it doesn't really matter because Our Lady of the Nile was kind of set up to fail from the beginning. Okay. Because it's up against Varda by Agnes. The last film from the late French New Wave filmmaker Agnes Varda traces her legendary career and life with characteristic humor and vibrant energy, presenting a portrait of an artist who lived through her films and revealed the extraordinary in the ordinary. (laughs) (laughs) 
So the I'm, movie from the genre that you just spent five minutes <laughs> excoriating or the final film from a cinema legend? Well, it's obviously that one, but it's... Would you say that I was excoriating it? It's more just talking about like... I just was just trying to okay. make a All right. thing here. Okay, good. Okay. So, n- next up. All right, this one... Actually, they're a little more evenly matched for me, but I have an idea which one you'll pick. All right. Military wives, with their partners away serving in Afghanistan, a group of women on the home front form a, form a choir and quickly find themselves at the center of a media sensation and global movement in this feel-good story from Peter Cataneo, director of the Full Monty. Okay. And then... The latest documentary from Gabe Polsky, uh, sorry, it's called Red Penguins. The latest documentary from Gabe Polsky recounts American go-getter and consummate salesman Steve Warshaw's attempt to transfer post-Soviet Russian hockey from a sleepy event to the hottest ticket in town. Both of them sound like uh, almost quaint in yeah. certain ways. Well, um, one of them is about hockey, which is definitely what I'm leading. Uh, right. And it also has to do with, you know, Soviet stuff, which I tend to be okay. more interested in. So I'll go with that one. Oh, see, I thought you Red were going to go with the, uh, with the British Village movie, or is that also a genre you've written off? <sighs> I am chiming in to give you time to find the movies that I'm going to pick and you're not going to listen to. Um, no, no, I it's, actually am listening. There, there's, there, there's always the uh, possibility of something being kind of cutesy uh, uh, with the, the British Village movie, especially it's like, oh, they become a sensation. I'm like, oh, yeah. that sounds awful. I love the Full Monty. Um, yeah, I like the Full Monty. I remember liking Saving Grace. Yeah, you and I saw Saving Grace together. I liked that one. Uh, didn't care as much for Calendar Girls or the Englishman who went up a hill and came down a mountain. I didn't see Calendar Girls. I did see the other one, yes. Um, I love Hot Fuzz, which is as much a parody of those movies as it is of of action movies. And The Wicker Man and, <laughs> and like cult yeah. movies. That, that's a fascinating so little great. movie. Um, what are some other British Village movies? I feel like I'm missing... There are some big ones, and, I, and now I can't think of what they some would be. obvious ones, yeah. Anyway... Uh, Awaking Ned Divine. That's a big one. Oh yeah, but that's Irish. But yeah. Oh okay. Uh, yes, that's a that's a good one. I like that movie. Yeah, there are things I like about it. that. Uh, that eulogy scene is actually quite nice. Right. All right. Next pairing. Just Mercy. Michael B. Jordan, Jimmy Fox, and Brie Larson star in the powerful true story of Harvard-educated lawyer Brian Stevenson, who goes to Alabama to defend the disenfranchised and wrongly condemned, including Walter McMillian, a man sentenced to death despite evidence proving his innocence. Brian fights tirelessly for Walter with the system stacked against them from director Destin Daniel Cretton, based on the book by Stevenson. Okay. It's just mercy. Okay. And it, and, and in the, in the opposite corner, what do we got? Yeah. In the opposite corner, the friend based on the award-winning Esquire article of the same name, a man, Jason Siegel puts his own life on hold to move into the family home of his best friends, Dakota Johnson and Casey Affleck and support them through a terminal cancer diagnosis. Damn. These both sound pretty maudlin. <laughs> We've got, uh, you know, fighting racial injustice versus cancer Damn. diagnosis. I'm going to say just mercy. Okay. That's what I was leaning. There's also, I'm, I'm giving you more options than I'll actually ever be able to see. So of course. There's a good chance that I won't see that in many of these cases I won't end up seeing either. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. All right. Pain and Glory. Oh, Pain... That's Elmadova, right? Yeah. Okay. Do you know what it's about? 
Uh, I don't. Okay, an aging filmmaker, Antonio Banderas, Banderas, uh, grapples with an uncertain future and the circumstances that shaped his successful but troubled life in Pedro Almodovar's self-reflexive consideration of identity and desire. Okay. How ma- in the film does it say how many movies and Antonio Banderas's director has made? Perhaps eight. Uh, Halfway through another one. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think it's that. Okay. Um, uh, I think it's more Pedro Almodovar. I have I no. Think d- he's supposed to be Pedro Almodovar. So yeah, I, I have no movies. doubt, but at the same time, I just think that it's. I don't say this is a bad thing. Like uh, I saw a bad education in my uh, Hitchcock class as sort of like a film that was sort of loosely inspired by a Hitchcockian tone. And that sounds very eight and a half to me, which is not a bad thing. It'd be interesting to see Almodovar do that. There is, by the way, also a movie at TIFF called Bad Education this year. It's oh. Corey Finley's follow up to Thoroughbreds. That's odd. Yeah. All right. All right, so Pain and Glory is up against While at War. Set in the first months of the Spanish Civil War, this riveting and timely chamber drama from acclaimed writer-director Alejandro Manabar tracks the country's slide into nearly four decades of fascism under dictator Francisco Franco. What's Alejandro Manabar made The Others. Yes, and uh, Agora, I think. I didn't see that. Okay. He made um, a movie with Javier Bardem. What was it called? Now I don't remember. I'm looking. I'm I'm looking him up right now. Hang on. What the hell was it called? It's a it's the called, Sea Inside. The Sea Inside. It's also That's a cancer movie, right? Uh, it is. Yes. Um, I think I think I'm going to go with While at War. Honestly, I'm always uh, I'm kind of a sucker for chamber dramas. Okay. Okay. Um, this next one's a, a, a three way. Which one are you leaning to on those? Um. I am leaning towards Pain and Glory because I actually yeah, I I mean, didn't it's, like the sea inside. Okay, yeah. Um, very much. I thought it was too maudlin. Um, but I love the others. And you know what? Now that I think about it, it's just like... I'm just going off of off of concepts here uh, as opposed to filmmakers. And like Almodovar should usually be, would usually be the one I would choose here. Yeah. So yeah. Th- I'd say just go with that one. But okay. the other one sounds interesting nonetheless. Um... Three-way. Nice. So, first up is Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Okay. You've probably already heard of this movie. Uh, I thought you saw it. Uh, no, Scott saw it. Scott saw it, okay. Uh, a family of cunning derelicts scheme to enter a wealthy household's employee in this genre-bending, palm door winning thriller of classic struggle from South Korean master Bong Joon-ho. Okay. So that what just won at Cannes. Mm-hmm. Just this week, the winner at the Locarno Film Festival, or a winner... Pedro Costa's Vitalina Varela, the latest from Portuguese auteur Pedro Costa, refracts and expands an episode from his previous feature, Horse Money, in which a Cape Verdean woman navigates her way through Lisbon, following the scanty physical traces her deceased husband left behind in discovering his secret illicit life. Hmm. And then that is up against... Uh, clearly the fall guy in this, in this round um, Iceland's The County an Icelandic woman takes on the corruption of her local co-op and the outdated exploitative system that supports it in the latest from acclaimed filmmaker Grimmer Hakunarsson and he, he made a movie uh, a couple of years ago called Rams which I reviewed and enjoyed okay uh, what are the titles again Parasite okay Vitalina Varela The County uh, my vote would probably be Parasite, uh, just Bong Joon-ho. And, and then also, um, I'm, I'm looking for, like, because, of course, we're dealing with uh, these are 
they're trying to sell these movies essentially to to you the viewer and so i'm look i'm picking out certain phrases that i like and don't like yeah uh genre bending tends to be a phrase that intrigues me especially with a certain type of director okay so up next in the first corner okay we have blackbird directed by a guy you like and whose last name i'm never entirely sure how to pronounce it's either roger michel or roger michel oh yeah michel i think is you know what i think it's how i just decided to say it okay uh a term it's called blackbird i'm the camera i said that already a terminally ill mother susan sarandon invites her family to their country house for one final gathering but tensions quickly boil over between her two daughters kate winslet and mia vashikovska in roger mitchell's remake of the award-winning 2014 danish film silent heart okay so that's blackbird on the other hand henry glassy field work this, the worldwide travels and unique cultural finds of renowned American folklorist Henry Glassier are enthrallingly chronicled in this portrait by director Pat Collins. This is a documentary, obviously. So I'm looking at the uh, I'm looking at the cast here for Blackbird. Kate Winslet, Sam Neill, Rain oh. Wilson, oh. Susan Sarandon, Mia Vachikowska. Like, like Rain Wilson, right? Uh. I'll be honest, it depends on okay. what the film or TV show is, uh, but with something like this, I'm intrigued. Lindsay Duncan oh. is in the film. Oh. Uh, so I think I'm going to go with that. I think Blackbird. Okay. Blackbird. All right. So now we're going to get... I, I was, I'm, I'm trying to space these out between, like, movies you haven't heard of. Okay. And then sometimes, like today, I'm going to pit two movies you've definitely heard of okay. up against one another, and you're going to have to make me... Not me. I'm not going <laughs> to. The word is in bond or whatever, but you're going to have to choose. Okay. So the first one is A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Okay. A jaded journalist, Matthew Reese, reluctantly accepts an Esquire assignment to profile the children's television host, Fred Rogers, Tom Hanks, and encounters a profoundly empathetic worldview that changes his life forever. Yeah. Up against what's probably one of Tyler, if I know Tyler, one of his most anticipated movies of the fall. Mm. Knives Out. Director Ryan Johnson assembles an all-star cast. Daniel Craig, Tony Collette, Jamie Lee Curtis, Ana de Armas, Chris Evans, Don Johnson, Michael Shannon, and Lakeith Stanfield in this intelligent whodunit about a famed Southern detective who joins forces with local police to investigate a group of eccentric suspects following the murder murder of a wealthy crime novelist, Christopher Palmer. I'll say this. So, It's a Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood is directed by Marianne Heller. Marielle. Marielle, pardon yes. me. Um, Marielle Heller. Uh which immediately got me more interested. I was interested in the movie anyway, but like, okay, so the person, like, I don't think she's going to get schmaltzy with it. And it'd be so easy to do so. Um, yeah, because she certainly avoided that last year. Yeah. With, uh, can you ever forgive me? Can you ever forgive me? Um, and so that one is definitely, uh, intriguing to me, but at the same time, I like Ryan Johnson I like the concept. I like that cast. So obviously, it's Knives Out. Knives out. All right. All right. This one, um, I mean, all of these, like I said, I'm not decided. This one, I really am on the fence here. Greed. Festival favorite Michael Winterbottom skewers the fast fashion industry in this scathing farce about the grotesque inequality between a retail billionaire, Steve Coogan, and the female garment workers who toil on his trendy clothing line. Hmm. Michael Winterbottom's Greed. Okay. Up against a very different type of movie, Wayne Wang's Coming Home Again. A Korean-American man call, cares for his ailing mother while trying to master her traditional cooking in the latest from Wang Wang based on Chang Ray Lee's New Yorker short story. 
Hmm. I like Wayne Wang. Yes, me too. Um, That's definitely what drove me to that. And it does, and it stars Justin Chan, who was uh, who starred in and directed the movie uh, Gook last year, right. uh, or I guess that was two, two years, years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, but looking at um, Greed, it definitely I like I I like Michael Winterbottom, and it also has a really good cast. You've got Asa Butterfield, you've got Isla Fisher, um, Shirley Henderson, Stephen Fry, David Mitchell, uh, that Mitchell and Webb look. Uh, and, okay. and also even just looking at some of the images, it looks like it's going to be delightfully over the top, uh, which is intriguing to me. So uh, I'm going to say that. Okay. I'm going to go greed. I think you having done that research is swaying me too. Because okay. I think I, the reason I was doubtful on greed is because Michael Winterbottom's The Wedding Guest was one of my least favorite movies that I saw at mm. TIFF last year. Okay. And so I think I had a sore, sour taste in my mouth about, about Winterbottom. But yeah, okay. He's, a, he's an odd... Uh, yeah, he's an odd director. Um, he's not... I wouldn't say he's a journeyman, but he, but he definitely seems to direct a lot of... You know, uh, looking back at uh, 2010... He directed two movies, The Trip and The Killer Inside Me. Like those, you don't. Which one was The Killer Inside Me? It's with uh, Casey Affleck, where he's like the uh, the sheriff's deputy who is also. It's essentially it's sort of like a Southern Gothic oh, American right. Psycho. Okay. Which is actually it's a really good movie, uh, very disturbing in many ways. Uh, but yeah, it's just so very different than some of this other stuff that uh, he's done. But anyway. The, the TIFF website list of films is driving me crazy okay. because it puts movies that start with the letter with the word A under A and movies that start with the word the under T. Uh, so I keep I'll be like, hey, what the fuck? Did they cancel this movie? It's like, oh no, it's under the. Um, anyway, um, okay. Next up, Citizen K. Okay. The latest film from Oscar-winning documentarian Alex Gibney considers the strange case of Mikhail Khodorkovsky, once believed to be the wealthiest man in Russia, who rocketed to prosperity and prominence in the 1990s, served a decade in prison, and became an unlikely martyr for the anti-Putin movement. Okay. Versus... Beneath the blue suburban skies, a suburban wife and mother, Jennifer L., longs to escape the monotony of her daily routine and the stress caused by her underwhelming adult children in the latest character-driven drama from director Edward Burns. That's tough that because between the, see <laughs> between the two there's a lot of smug uh, <laughs> yeah, going yeah. on i'm inclined just because i'm always fascinated by russia but at the same time it's fucking alex gibney and you know what you're gonna get already yeah certainly tonally yeah but the story but uh, the story is inherently interesting yeah so i think citizen k yeah i think i think that one okay next up the aeronauts the Theory of Everything co-stars Eddie Redmayne and Felicity Jones reunite for Tom Harper's high-flying tale about a 19th century scientist and hot air balloonist making altitudinal and meteorological history. What's that one called again? The Aeronauts. Versus um, a documentary called And We Go Green. Professional drivers on the international Formula E circuit, like Formula One, but with eco-friendly electric cars, so like Formula One, but slow, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> race the victory <laughs> across ten cities in this white-knuckle documentary from filmmaker Malcolm Van Ville, Oscar-winning director Fisher Stevens, and producer Leonardo DiCaprio. 
Neither of those sound very interesting to me. I see. Uh, I don't know that I agree, and I'll tell you why. Um, the aeronauts is definitely where I'm leaning. Okay. Because as much as I didn't like the theory of everything, I liked the chemistry between Felicity Jones and Ed Redmayne. In okay. The movie. And it's directed by Tom Harper, who just this year made Wild Rose. Oh, okay. Which I loved. Uh, yeah, I guess... I'm torn. I, uh, I guess we'll go with that one, because why not? You've swayed me, sort of. Okay. All right, what else we got? Next up. The Goldfinch. Theo Decker, mm. Ansel Elgort, was only 13 when his mother died in a museum bombing, sending him on an odyssey of grief and guilt, reinvention and redemption. Through it all, he holds on to one tangible piece of hope from that terrible day, a priceless painting of a bird chained to its perch, The Goldfinch. The latest from John Crowley, Brooklyn, is yeah. based on Donna Tartt's best-selling novel. Versus, um, <laughs> I'm doing the, uh, in my head, I'm doing the uh, Mario Kart. Versus, um, <laughs> Anyway, the aforementioned Bad Education. Hugh Jackman, Allison Janney, and Ray Romano star in this fact-based dramedy directed by Corey Finley about an infamous school larceny scandal that rocked Long Island in the early aughts. That's tough. What's the first one again? The Goldfinch. The Goldfinch, that's right. Uh, I mean, I loved Brooklyn, and I did see a trailer for The Goldfinch, and it actually looks like very... Uh, almost like a thriller, but uh, also very melodramatic in like a good way. Okay. Um, but Corey, fin- I I love Thoroughbred so much. Um, uh, I'm gonna go with what's that one called again? Bad Education. Bad. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, I think uh, probably that one. All right. I think I agree uh, with you. I think that's all I mean. All right. Next up, after a terrible accident fractures her family and her marriage. Oh, sorry, this movie's called Emma. After a terrible accident fractures her family and her marriage, a woman sets out on a risky quest to reset her life in this incendiary drama, incendiary drama about art, desire, and family from Chilean director Pablo Lorraine, who made Jackie. Oh, yeah, movie. okay. And that's up against the movie you've probably heard of. Jojo Rabbit. Taika Waititi directs a riotous cast, including Sam Rockwell, Scarlett Johansson, Rebel Wilson, Thomas M. McKenzie, and newcomer Roman Griffin Davis in this daring, touching, and comedic satire about a young German boy who discovers a Jewish girl hiding in his home and consults with his imaginary best friend, Adolf Hitler. I like Taika Waititi. Me too. And that definitely sounds quirky, which he's able to pull off pretty well. What's that one called? Uh, Jojo, Jojo Rabbit. Rabbit. Yeah, and then uh, what's the other one called? Emma. Or it's it's EMA and it's Chilean, so it's probably like okay. Ema or something. But it's, I think, I'm assuming it's a person's name. Uh, I think I think that one actually. I think uh, Jackie bought a lot of credit with me. And Naruto, yeah. did both of those, and yeah, I, I've liked all of his films. Did you see No? I did not. I think I might have that Blu-ray if you ever wanted to watch hmm. it, uh, or it's probably available somewhere. Um, oh yeah, sorry, couldn't find this one because I got to go to A. It starts with A. <laughs> it's very annoying. <laughs> Tiff, Tiff website. They, okay, do think, so. they do things differently up in Canada. Maybe that's, yeah, maybe that's just common practice. Um, so speaking of Scarlett Johansson, 
Marriage Story. Academy Award nominee Noah Baumbach's incisive and compassionate portrait of a marriage breaking up and a family staying together stars Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver and co-stars Laura Dern, Alan Alda, and Ray Liotta. The idea of Noah Baumbach being sympathetic is intriguing to me. Okay, so you're leaning that way, but I've got... I'm bringing in a ringer. Okay. Tough competition. A Hidden Life. The conscience of a pious Austrian farmer is severely tested. War right. is severely tested as war blankets Europe and Nazi ideology spreads in this enveloping spiritual epic from Master Terence Malick. Yeah, I've been I've been hearing about that one, uh, and it definitely is uh, intriguing to me, partially because it just sounds like it sounds like there's going to be more inherent structure to it. Not that that's, it doesn't bother me when Terrence Malick goes almost totally structure less. Yeah. Um, but the films of his that I tend to like the most are the ones that, uh, where it just takes his style and just sort of tries to make it fit into not a conventional structure, but at least any kind of form. Uh, and so I think I'm probably going to go with a, a hidden life. I think that intrigues me more. Right. You're yeah. Uh, I'm feel, I feel the same. Okay. Okay. All right. I don't speak Portuguese. That's not the name of this movie. I'm telling you, I don't speak Portuguese. Okay. So I'm not a hundred percent sure on the pronunciation of this movie. It's not what you were saying a few years ago. You really put yourself out there as a real Portuguese speaker. <laughs> um, I think it's called Bacurau. Okay. B-A-C-U-R-A-U. I think it's Bacurau. Okay. Teresa, Barbara Colon, comes home to her mat- matriarchal village in a near-future Brazil to find that its citizens have been sold as prey to bloodthirsty foreign hunters. Oh. Clayburn Mendonça Filho and Juliana Dornel's politically charged genre hybrid. That's, so it's, uh, it's genre-bending. It's also another movie about people being hunted by other people. Yeah. Uh, which seems to, is very much in the, <laughs> in the ether. Right. Now. I mean, it seems weird that the movie would just condone hunting other people as I assume it would. <laughs> I mean, it, yeah, I mean, the that's the story. And thus, how could it not be in favor of that? <sighs> See, you found a way to talk about the hunt on the podcast. Yeah. I tried to avoid it. Last yes, you did. Uh, all right. Now for, Maybe my favorite because yeah because of my tastes. Maybe my favorite title of the movie, of the of a movie in TIFF 2019, Pelican Blood. <laughs> <laughs> um, All right. A mother's idyllic country life is threatened when her newly adopted second daughter turns from shy and charming to menacing and dangerous in Catherine Geba's dramatic thriller, Pelican Blood. <laughs> Is that what you're saying? It, it has it has ma- magical properties. I've heard. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hmm. What was the other one called? Bachurau. Oh, that's right. Um, I think that one actually. Bachurau. Okay. If that's how we say it. Yeah. I can't. What's your thoughts? Um, I. Th- think that is where I'm leaning as well because um, Catherine Gebbers last film or maybe two films ago was called Nothing Bad Can Happen and I didn't think it was very good mm. um, but I do make a point of trying to see films sure. by female directors at uh, at TIFF okay um, and, and yeah so uh, okay so here's another one that like some of these have my mind's already more made up than others. Sure. Another one where you actually will be helping me. Okay. Um, I truly can't decide between these two. Okay. To the ends of the earth, 
In the latest film from Kiyoshi Kurosawa, part travelogue, part showbiz satire, a TV show host on location with her crew in Uzbekistan abandons her assignment and sets out on her own journey of self-discovery. Okay. That's to the ends of the earth. Up against It Must Be Heaven. In a series of darkly comic vignettes shot in international locales, Palestinian director Elias Suleiman investigates the meanings of being in exile and the absurdities of nationalism, normality, and identity. That's this really is the, hard. Th- this is the, t- the toughest choice of the schedule for me. They both sound really interesting, and the idea of like separate vignettes is always fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, but I also like the which idea what, of uh, somebody... Elias Suleiman, with his movie Divine Intervention, which is a great movie from 2002, I think, was also okay. sort of a bunch of absurdist vignettes. I think I'm leaning towards... To the, to the ends of the earth? Yes. I think I'm leaning towards that just because it it sounds... I don't know. It, it, I, I really am not sure tonally what either one is going to do, but the idea of somebody just making the decision, especially somebody who would appear to have such a such an inconsequential job as just like, Oh, just a talk show host, but I'm going to go do my own thing. Uh, that sounds intriguing to me. So I, okay. I'd say that one, but it's yeah. tough. The information I didn't give you. Okay. Is that that one's longer than it must be heaven. And so I was kind of thinking I'd go see it must be heaven because it'll make it easier for me to get to the whistlers. Sure. That I wanted to see. So I'm not giving you all okay. the information on some of these. So Got yeah, it. to the ends of the earth really sounds good. And so does it must be heaven. And I was thinking, I was leaning towards Must Be Heaven because of the shorter runtime and getting mm. to the Whistlers, but now you've got me second-guessing myself. Oh, good. So we'll see, we'll see where I end up. Um, all right. Oddly enough, you wind up going to the local Cabo Wabo and uh, <laughs> just drinking. There is a Hooters <laughs> right by there, or at least there was last year. Cabo Wabo is the name of Sammy Hagar's yeah. Oh, yeah. bar, right? That's okay. where I go during right. AFI Fest and TCM Fest. Uh, all right. In the first corner. Okay. Zombie Child. This daring cross-genre film from director Bertrand Bonello spans 1960s Haiti and a boarding school in in contemporary France to tell a story of how colonialism and cultural appropriation refuse to die. Okay. So it's a zombie story that takes place in two countries in two different time periods. Okay. Okay. Versus. Oh, I don't know how to say this. Uh, It's in more Portuguese. Um, I gotta learn the Portuguese. One, the one language you uh, really are uncomfortable with. So I know that I just, just the name that I don't know how to pronounce, like the person's name. So it's The Invisible Life of Eurydice Guzmão. Okay. I think. Two sisters born in Rio de Janeiro make their way through life, each mistakenly believing the other is living out her dreams half a world away in the latest melodrama from Brazilian auteur Karim Ainuz. What was the first one called again? Zombie Child. Okay. Uh, the answer is that one because... Okay. It pushes a, a surprise, some unknown, some buttons that I haven't actually put out there uh, very much in life. Um, okay. Like I, uh, I've talked about how I'm, I, I have an odd preoccupation with, uh, with Soviet Russia, and so if a movie is about that, I'll usually pick that in a situation uh-huh. like this. Um, I am also fascinated by Haiti, uh, and okay. I'm, and especially the concept of colonialism but also it's uh 
the roots of American voodoo uh, in Haiti. And so here, the idea of zombie child, well, zombie means a very different thing in like the world of voodoo. Right. And I don't know if, the, if that's going to be a big part of this, but I feel like it would have to be uh, because of yeah. just the, the nature yeah, of the story. You don't accidentally set a zombie movie in, uh, right. in Haiti. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so that definitely intrigues me. So I'd say that one. All right. Next up. Um, and I'm pretty sure I've got my answer on this one. Okay. But, uh, uh, we'll see how, if you can sway me. Uh, radioactive. Based on Lauren Redness's award-winning graphic novel, Marjan Satrapi's Persepolis biopic stars Rosamund Pike as two-time Nobel Prize-winning scientist Mary Curie, highlighting the groundbreaking discoveries she made with her husband, Pierre, Sam Riley. Who's Sam Riley? Control. Oh, okay, yeah. All right, so it's Rosamund Pike and Sam Riley. It also has Anya Taylor-Joy and Simon Russell Beale in it. It's It's a good cast. Yeah. Uh, I haven't been reading all the casts uh, the entire time, but I thought that one was worth mentioning. Okay. Versus a father, David Thewlis, and daughter, Laisla de Oliveira, attempt to work through their complicated relationship, secret histories, and personal demons in Adam McGoyan's latest exploration of unresolved personal trauma and its unintended consequences. On many levels, that one. <laughs> On many levels, okay. Yeah. One is, I like the phrase, unintended consequences. Yeah. I like the idea of David Thewlis carrying a movie. Yeah. And it's Adam McGoyan, who is hit or miss, but he's got so much goodwill with me that I'm okay right. with... Uh, yeah, absolutely. I'll always be interested. Okay. Like, even, what was it, Devil's Not? Did you ever see it? I didn't. You reviewed it. I did. Yeah. It's not a good movie, and it's the essence. Like it is inherently inessential. Um, but uh, I mean, you've got three documentaries. You got the was the Paradise Lost, right? You've got the Paradise Lost trilogy there. Yeah. Plus, you've got the other one. The uh, uh, what was that one called? Uh, I saw uh, this uh, yeah. one that I reviewed. Yes. And I can't. What is it called? It. Um. Is it called West of Memphis? I think it's called West, yeah, because it's because it's like a play on West Memphis Three, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and so Devil's Not is just like, hey, let's take all of that, but make it uh, less penetrating, uh, less curious, and just kind of treat it in. Uh, let's let's keep everything at a distance if we can. Um, but Adam McGoyan's camera is it's weird the camera is more curious than the director it seems to be um and it's it's a pretty good looking movie but it's not very good okay well i think i'm also leaning toward guest of honor for a number of reasons one of them being that last i want to see at least one canadian movie at tiff okay (laughs) but adam mcgoyan is canadian right that's that's why i'm leaning towards adam Adam mcgoyan oh okay sorry i I misheard you okay all right next contenders True History of the Kelly Gang, a fictionalized retelling of the life and crimes of infamous 19th century Australian outlaw Ned Kelly, based on Peter Carey's Booker Prize winning novel, starring Russell Crowe and Nicholas Holt. Right. Okay, I've heard of that. Um, and obviously, a corrective to the Heath Ledger Ned Kelly movie, of course. which led to our friend Will Anderson calling Heath Ledger a knob end <laughs> on Australian right. radio. It's one of my favorite stories that anyone has ever told in this podcast. Versus. The Wild Goose Lake, a gangster on the run and seeking redemption, meets a woman who will risk everything to gain her own freedom in this noir crime thriller from director Diao Yinan, who made Black Coal Thin Ice. What's that one called again? The Wild Goose Lake. 
And what's the first one called again? Sorry. True History of the Kelly Gang. I think the second one. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Partially because uh, this sounds terrible. Nicholas Holt as a lead actor, I think, is not that dynamic. As a supporting actor, sure. Okay. Um, I just don't think he can actually carry a movie. I might, I, I might be wrong. You're assuming that Russell Crowe isn't playing Ned Kelly. That's, you know what? You got me there. <laughs> the, tr- the true history is that Ned Kelly was uh, like 55 <laughs> yeah. and uh, about 250. Yeah. Um, all right. So they, we have another three-way battle royale, and this is going to be a tough one. Okay. <laughs> it's always fun when you start to go into character for a moment. Yeah. Okay, what do you got? Actually, this is a tough one for me. I already know which one you're going to pick now that I look at it. Don't box me in. All right. All right. First one is called Waves. Cracks begin to show in the perfect facade of a young athlete's life in this palpable and unexpected drama from Trey Edward Schultz, who made It Comes at Night. Oh, okay. Next one is About Endlessness. The latest from influential Swedish filmmaker Roy Anderson, uh, who made Song from the Second Floor. Okay weaves together multiple multiple visually arresting vignettes into a powerful larger narrative exploring our personal lack of awareness okay and then finally the personal history of david copperfield director armando ianucci brings his sardonic wit and a stellar cast that includes dev patel tilda swinton hugh laurie gwendolyn christie peter capaldi and ben wishaw to charles dickens classic autobiographical novel autobiographical novel so obviously you think i'm going to pick that one yeah all right, but because I don't think you've seen any Roy Anderson films, I have not. At I don't, least know I don't if you've think seen so. any Trey Edward Schultz films either. Did you see It Comes at Night? Uh, no, I didn't. Did I you heard Krisha. I didn't see Krisha. No, I heard I, I I heard wonderful things about it. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, you're right. Obviously, it's and and even yeah, it's this is one where I'm aware of the director, and it also sounds like a delightful uh, romp. Yeah. Uh, oh, I slacked off. Now I gotta. And what's, oh boy, right. what's in the news today? Um, uh, Matrix Four. What do you think about that? I've you know eh, on the fence. <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe if Sony produced it, I'd be more in, yeah, uh, more exactly. in favor. Oh, so many movies at Tiff. I know. Too many. To... I feel like is it trying to prove something? Maybe. All right. <laughs> sorry, sorry, we missed you. From socially conscious director Ken Loach and okay. longtime collaborator Paul Laverty comes a wrenching portrait of a hardworking English couple sliding deeper into debt and despair despite toiling in all-consuming jobs. So, okay. a Ken Loach movie. Yeah. Next up, uh, Dirt Music. The stunning landscape of Western Australia is the backdrop for an impassioned tale of love and grief in Gregor Jordan's adaptation of the acclaimed novel by Tim Winton, starring Kelly MacDonald, Garrett Hedlund, and David Wenham. I do not care for Garrett Hedlund as an actor. I don't oh. think he's that interesting. Um, but I think I'm going to go with that one just because, like... Do you recognize the name director Gregor Jordan? Uh, no. He made... He hasn't made many movies. He made one movie that I know you and I both saw nearly 20 years ago called Buffalo Soldiers. Buffalo oh, yeah. Phoenix. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so it's... The director. Of, all right. Do we have time for one more? You think? I think so. Okay. So uh, we're going to do one more, and this is one. This is the old style one. These ones aren't actually up against one another, but they're okay. just two that I didn't find room <laughs> for that I wanted to get okay. your opinion on. Um. So let me just find this motherfucker. 
I haven't thought of Buffalo Soldiers in many, many years. Uh, I remember liking that movie. Yeah, I did too. Oh, here it is. Okay, here's that one. And then... See, this one's thrown up because it's a movie that throwing me off because it's a movie that sounds like it should have the in it, but isn't, doesn't. Oh. Website, are you really going to freeze up <laughs> on the last one? Oh. Oh, wait. Oh, me. hey. What? You know what else Gregor Jordan directed? What? Ned Kelly starring uh, <laughs> Heath Ledger. So you've got... You've got Almodovar yeah. with some other young Turk bringing a bad education. Uh, yeah. And now you've got Gregor Jordan with uh, uh, Hotshot Cor- uh, hot uh, Justin Kurzel. I didn't tell you who directed that one. Justin Kurzel, who did okay. the uh, Macbeth uh, with oh, uh, okay, yeah. Michael, what's his name? Who was that? Fa- Fassbender? Michael Fassbender. Yeah, yeah. I didn't like that movie. I didn't see it. I, yeah. I had heard that it wasn't that good, which uh, bummed me out because that's because uh, I like the idea of him playing that character. All right, here's the last two that I just wanted to talk about. Okay, because uh, they both sound interesting to me. One, and this is another Canadian movie. One is called Blood Quantum. Jeff Barnaby's astutely titled second feature is equal parts horror and pointed cultural critique. Zombies are devouring the world. Yet an isolated Mi'kmaq community is was Canadian First Nations tribe okay. is immune to the plague. Do they offer refuge to the denizens outside their reservation or not? Mm. Sounds cool, right? Yeah. All right. Next one, even though these two aren't actually up against each other, but uh, next one. Darius Martyr, uh, who it doesn't say this here, but this is movie is that it's called Sound of Metal. Uh, Darius Martyr is the guy who wrote The Place Beyond the Pines. This is Ooh. his directorial debut. Okay. Darius Martyr establishes a strong cinematic voice with his debut feature about a heavy metal drummer, Riz Ahmed, who starts to lose his hearing and consequently begins to reevaluate his place in the world. Whew. Like, are, are, are we choosing between these two? I, you don't actually have to. For okay. the purpose of the episode, you have to choose one. I actually could see both pretty easily. And there are also there are other things that we did today that i can see both because there are multiple press oh, meetings okay, yeah yeah but, you know we're having fun here so here's the thing the sound of metal taps into a deep fear i have which is like going blind um yeah, he's going deaf i know what i'm yeah. saying is like granted i mean if you're a movie person i'd obviously you need both your sight and hearing but the idea that like movies are my entire life and yeah. so what ha- like who am i if I go blind yeah. and I cannot see new movies, I cannot talk about movies anymore. Like w- what purpose do I serve anymore? Um, and that's to say nothing of just, you know, living and, and just, uh, you know, making myself food, you know, putting that aside, just the idea of like the choices that I've made about who I am are yeah. rooted so much on seeing. And so the idea of this character this is his job. It's his passion. And what happens when that starts to fade away? That sounds terrifying. I also want to point out that the, um, the photo for sound of metal has a very hunky shirtless Riz Ahmed. Nice. That's the selling point. Which is Always. Kind of, yeah. Um, He's and a then, and what was the other one called? Blood quantum. Blood quantum. That is, that is such a great concept yeah. for a, a movie because it gets yeah, to first nations tribe yeah are immune to zombieism and the yeah. and this idea of like hey this is sort of not to be glib about it but like hey this is kind of our chance to come back <laughs> uh okay, yeah. and 
maybe we uh, aren't going to help out the people that did not, that historically have not helped us out. Yeah. Uh, you know, so those both sound really great. Yeah. Uh, I'm definitely going to pick one. That's what the episode's all about. Probably that one. Probably blood, uh, quantum? blood quantum. All right. It's close though. Well, shirtless Riz Ahmed. I mean, yeah. If yeah, he was, if he was a zombie. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if he was a zombie in uh, blood quantum, don't even get me started. All right. Um, we forgot to talk about the Patreon this week. Oh, that's uh, right. But this week on the Patreon, we answered listener questions. We talked about mm-hmm. the peanut butter solution. We sure did. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, and Patreon, too. You can go to patreon.com slash special pretension or, or find the link at the website. And Patreon tiers start as low as $2 uh, a month. So um, definitely go check that out. Uh, you can find us at battleshipretension.com. That's where you'll find movie reviews uh, mm-hmm. out of TIFF. Um, once I'm once I'm there, um, you can email us at David at battleshipretension.com or Tyler at battleshipretension.com. You can follow me, David, on Twitter at Davy Pretension. Uh, real quick, uh, currently on the website, you've got uh, hmm, what else do you have? Uh, okay, this week. <laughs> sorry, I went back too far. Um, Blu-ray review uh, by uh, Dane Linford reviewed John Woo's Heroes Shed No, Tear, no Tears. Uh, I wrote about the Barbara Stan starring The Bitter Tea of General Yen for our Monday movie, my Monday mm-hmm. movie column. Uh, Alexander wrote about Andre Tashin's great 1994 coming-of-age story, Wild Reads. <laughs> no, his thank criterion you. prediction column. What a piece of uh, shit. Jim talked about uh, Mike Lee's Secrets, at Lie, Secrets and Lies uh, on I Do Movies Badly. I also reviewed Ready or Not and Britney Runs a Marathon this Which week. Which you did not care for. I, I loved Ready or Not. I did not care for Britney Runs yes, a Marathon. Yes, that's what I meant. I seem to be in the minority um, somehow. Um, uh, I don't know. I guess people just like to... The, people don't care about filmmaking at all. They just want... Uh, I don't know. I'm on the one hand, I'm the first guy to be like, I love a movie. It's just nice. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> I love that. But when it's so haphazardly made, yeah, uh, I, it's just, uh, I have to be a cinephile first. Yeah. Um, do you, in a situation like that, do you ever wonder if the filmmaker, uh, this is kind of cynical. If the filmmakers are like, if we make a movie that's nice enough, we don't have to do anything else. I don't, I don't think, think they would consciously think that. It's something I often think about with like Christian film is that I don't think they're consciously thinking like, well, if we get the theology right, then we don't have to do anything else. Nobody, yeah. I don't think anybody ever thinks in those terms consciously, but I think it's underneath. I don't think, I don't think, I think I'm sure they thought they made a, a good movie. And a lot of, obviously... A lot of people agree with them, so who the mm. fuck am I? Um, except for right. Yes. Uh, <laughs> you can email Tyler, or sorry, you can follow Tyler on, on Twitter at Tyler Pretension. Anything to plug right now? Well, aside from a uh, long string of uh, angry responses to me for getting angry at other people. <laughs> oh, why did we not tell that story? Okay, here's the story. Okay. Is that a perfectly well-meaning listener was part of a thing where you're supposed to name your three favorite villains on Twitter and then tag other people to do it. Yeah. These things go around Twitter and Facebook and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know why I'm telling you, know, you obviously you all listen, you live in the world too. You know what this is. So anyway, uh, Tyler and I uh, declined to participate, but because we'd been tagged, we yeah. got a lot of notifications yeah. from the ever growing list of, of people. And, um, and I, it, here if, I was, if it weren't for all those notifications, that's the thing. 
Yeah. If only like two people had responded, I would have been like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But there were a but lot. You, you look, you pull up Twitter and it says like 25 and I'm like, Oh geez. And so I'm just scrolling through. Well, yeah. You, I'll, yeah you, I wasn't you, even really looking at people's responses. Yeah. As soon as I realized what it was, okay, I was like, okay. But what I was thinking, I was, what I wasn't looking at people's list. I was looking at the people talking to each other because I was just having this thought, like I spent so long, so much of my day on angry Twitter. People are angry about movie opinions. People are angry about politics. People are angry about hockey. Um, because those are like the Twitters that I follow. Sure. Uh, and I was like, this is just a bunch of people just having fun and being like, like there are people who would respond like, Ooh, great list. And people like being really happy and supportive of one another. And this goes on for about 24 hours. At which point Tyler is, I guess had enough. And he finally decides to respond to like a whole bunch of people at this point and say, uh, most of these lists are pretty basic. (laughs) And then that sparked another 24 hours of, uh, people, uh, having their feelings hurt by, by Tyler and then Tyler eventually offered up a list. Yeah. It's, uh, it was one of those things that, uh, I have, I was not having a great day in general, but, uh, but I will say that it's, it's something that, that tends to, I mean, I'm not usually as insulting as that, to be honest with you. Um, I'm usually, if I, if I chime in, it's usually out of a place of exasperation, but on that day I was also feeling frustrated because it just I was like it is I believe you and I uh you said that as you were reading through you had this moment of like oh so this is what the normies sound like uh <laughs> I don't want to be Sorry, that's that, I did say that uh, off mic. Yeah, uh, and admittedly, that's a word. The person who tagged us is one of our listeners, so yes. they're not a normie. No, they're not. Um, but yeah, and so normally I would think like, oh yeah, absolutely. But in the same way that uh, several years ago I was part of this Facebook group, I still am, and they were putting out like, like, what are your favorite movies? And it's just like Shawshank Redemption, Princess Bride, Back <laughs> to the Future, over and over again, and and people, and then. And people saying like, what are the best movies? And it's like Shawshank Redemption, Princess Bride, Back to the Future. And so if I'm like, you know what? And this was, this was a, like a Christian group that, you know, really liked movies as for a, a rival podcast uh, that was infinitely more successful than more than one lesson. Um, and so as tends to happen, I'm like, all right, we've seen what the listeners are like for that podcast. I'm going to put out a call to my listeners and see what they think the 50 best movies of all time are. Uh And, uh, I was so proud of my listeners. Um, princess bride was in there. Shawshank redemption was in there. Neither of them were anywhere close to the top 10. Uh, the number one was 2001, a space odyssey, which I feel like you wouldn't associate, you wouldn't think a lot of Christians would put that as their number one, but it was one by a wide margin too. Um, beating yeah, out it deals with it's the metaphysical the and yeah and yeah um but it certainly it surprised me to be honest with you um and so uh and rounding out the top 10 was tree of life and then in, in between you had like star wars and raiders but you also had apocalypse now and that kind of thing so anyway i was very proud of them and so i do have this weird instinct but then did you go throw it in the faces of the other obviously <laughs> 
I admittedly, I didn't say, "Hey, you guys threw out some basic things. Watch real movie fans." Uh, <laughs> you know, I didn't. I, I didn't say that. Um, I'm glad this is at the end of the episode. That's yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I didn't say that. Uh, but I did share that list because I wanted to like see what people had to say about it and all that. Um, but uh, yeah, it's definitely. It's a weird instinct I have, especially because there are people that know infinitely more about, I said infinitely uh, again, but like that know way more about movies than I do. And they've seen way more and they would find my list of movie villains very basic, undoubtedly. Um, And so I I don't know what it is, this this desire. I guess... it comes down to, I remember at Comic-Con many years ago. Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah, about villains. And, uh, it was a whole panel and they were talking about like some of their favorite villains and it was all the same ones. And then someone there's a, during the Q and a portion, someone said like, who are some of your favorite, like female villains and someone on the pan and one of the, someone on the panel and then ever, and then it led to applause in the audience. I was like, it's like, ah, oh, I got to say Harley Quinn. I'm like, Oh yes. You're really going to go out on a limb at comic con and say Harley yeah. Quinn. Real risky, real risky. Yeah. As the, and they're not just talking about comic book oh, villain, they, they probably villains, just by the way, looked out and saw the <laughs> yeah. first cosplay they saw yeah. and said, I'll say that person. Cause the, and it's, a lot of Harley Quinn's at comic con. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I'm, I hope the character, falls off it's it's an interesting character but it's not the only character as it turns out and so i just have it's to me it's like when you have the opportunity maybe that's what it is when you have the opportunity to put like a list out there you don't want to manufacture you don't want to do something arbitrarily or artificially um but you have an opportunity to make people aware of something they might not have been otherwise, you know? And that to me is always exciting. You know, if I ask you, like you and I have been talking about our, you know, our top hundred lists, uh, mm-hmm. or rather my top hundred list that you, and you are trying to make one, uh, and discovering that it can be very difficult. Yeah. Um, but you know, when you present a list to somebody, it, it could be seen as, Hey, look at how good my taste is. It's for me, it's not about that. It's, these are things I genuinely love and I, and I think you would love it too. And I would love to share it with you. And I want to know about the stuff that you love that I haven't seen or that I don't even know about in some cases that, that to me is what's exciting. Uh, when, when some, when something gets put out there. And so as I'm scrolling through, I'm saying like Freddy Krueger, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, Darth Vader, Hannibal Lecter, Michael Myers. And it's just like, come come on guys. Like this is, we can do better than this. But again, that's, that has to do with my own interpretation of what this could be as opposed to what other people took it as. I'm going to say something here though. Sometimes just because everyone likes a thing doesn't mean like everyone likes Goodfellas and Goodfellas is an amazing movie. Yeah. I will say, I do think Hannibal Lecter is a great villain. He is. Absolutely. And I don't think that's uh, basic. It might be a popular choice. Yeah. But Hannibal Lecter is a, it's, what's interesting for me is that I have a hard time seeing him as a pure villain. Buffalo Bill is a villain, right? Hannibal Lecter is almost a monstrous antihero, um, in his own (laughs) way. Um, so yeah, it's, but yeah, I mean, to me, like Norman Bates is a really fascinating villain and it's psycho. Everyone's seen it. It's, it's not a, like, that's not a creative choice. So yeah, there are, and Darth Vader is also a very good villain, but to me, it's like, there's gotta be like these, these wordless slashers. Really? That's what we're going to go with. Yeah. Anyway. All right. 
Sorry. Um, I'm an asshole. I, That's our takeaway from this episode. Now I want to try a little experiment. Okay. Because we already did the plugs. I want to know if anyone is still listening. If yeah. you're still listening, tweet at me and Tyler. Hashtag bitter end. Sounds right. good to me. All right, bitter enders. Thanks for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 